This episode is brought to you by the Elk Grove Demolition Derby. Get ready for the ultimate adrenaline rush. The Demolition Derby is back and better than ever. Watch fearless drivers face off against demonic deltas from hell. Get your tickets now and be part of the action. You won't regret it. Or will you? Hello, hello. Welcome to the Spectre Cinema Club, a horror podcast obsessed with the subgenres within the horror realms. I'm one of your co-hosts, Devon Taylor. Joined with me in the virtual void, I got Garrett McDowell. Yeah, just another virtual episode for you and uh, myself today. Didn't quite have uh, time to make the uh, the trek over to your neck of the woods, but we had to, of course, make time. Uh, to talk about this very important and uh, uh, surprisingly yucky season of television, which I'm excited to uh, discuss today. Oh yeah, we got another bloody one as we continue on our journey through Ash vs. Evil Dead, talking season two today. And again, look at this. Um, we we um, picked this you know, mainly for Evil Dead Rises, but then I didn't even think about it. We just had Easter, Easter, Resurrection, Hashtag Jesus was a deadite. Um, so so happy Easter if uh, you're into that kind of stuff. But but look at that. Uh, I I feel like um there should be. I feel like I I didn't think about it until obviously it happened. But next year, we should try to uh, program a zombie marathon on Easter Sunday somewhere. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, well, we also could have done this in February for Ash, you know, if you want to keep it in like the the religious, uh, uh, you know, sect there. Yeah, we've already passed Ash Ash Wednesday. Wow, that's a tough one to say. We have already passed Ash Wednesday. Um, so unfortunately, we will not be able to uh, uh cover that milestone. But yeah, we always kind of slip and fall into these fun coincidences. That one is a bit of a stretch, though. I will say. <laughs> hey, hey, we we are talking, you know, Evil Dead, a seminal. Well, you know what? Actually, I I was kind of thinking of this um in this past season, you know, um because I, I we don't typically associate Evil Dead with the zombie genre, um right? You know, we kind of talked about this with a reanimator that like it is a zombie product but it's not uh in the traditional way especially since this is a uh, reanimation uh via you know demons and hell and things so yeah so still not traditional zombies i suppose but but still still uh in the vein uh, a little bit though so it's like it's it's kind of interesting because i feel like this season actually like doubles down on like mentioning that's like no we don't kill zombies we kill demons yeah, yeah, it's one of the many things that is like in the stew of the Evil Dead series, something that makes this franchise so unique from others and so uh, distinct in its flavor. Uh, and I think that, yeah, the the demonic zombie buddy comedy road trip movie that is this television series is certainly like a, a really fun world to be in uh believe it or not uh i've really enjoyed binging this entire series it's a very easy series to binge um we still have one season left and i'm very excited to uh watch that but let's go ahead and dive on into season two of ash versus evil dead Hawk! 
Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 2 was released October 2nd in 2016, though they did do like a, uh, a week early online premiere. Um, so I guess they uh, maybe did that to, you know, try to get the buzz going a little bit. Uh, interesting little strategy because now yeah. we see, um, you know, TV series that like kind of just put it straight on full on YouTube. Uh, yeah, right it also <laughs> evidently didn't work well for them considering <laughs> how long this series uh, continued to last after this one. Yeah, the um the the series obviously only goes three seasons, and the ratings also weren't all that high. Like uh, mo, I think like the high some of the higher episodes like were barely getting over a million viewers. Like it, yeah, which is so surprising because you know for this being such a beloved property and everything. Like yeah, I know the stars of it all, but at the same time, it's very surprising how low of numbers uh this show did. Yeah, I'm wondering if this would do better in, I, I know this wasn't like that long ago. Um, I know that the show, uh, you know, was certainly out in the the, the heyday of streaming. Uh, but I wonder, I don't know, I feel like things are just a bit more open, a bit more available now. We've talked a lot about the the uh, special effects. I'm sure this isn't like a incredibly cheap show to make. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, blood, sweat and tears heavy on the blood put into this show. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I have to wonder if maybe in today's day and age to where there are a million and one streaming services, this would do a bit better than, you know, on stars. But, you know, one could only uh, kind of ponder. I think accessibility is one thing. But then I think maybe the other thing would have been 2016. This is like the height of Walking Dead. So yeah. I feel like maybe people only had enough uh, time or, you know, enough room in their schedule for one zombie esque series um because i mean and there were other zombie shows going on too uh again you know ash vs evil dead not traditional zombies but you know that might have been a thing that persuaded people away from it possibly just because like walking dead was a juggernaut at this time yeah, and I will say between those two series, uh, I think that there is certainly one that should have lasted much longer than it did, and then the other one, you know, not as much. <laughs> Jeez Louise! Like I feel like The Walking Dead like held that cast just like hostage for for a decade. It was yeah. grueling. Jeez Louise! It, it just ended like fairly recently, and I was like, "What? <laughs> you know, that show is still going on? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> yeah, uh, super wild. Um, and yeah, so for season two, um, we had mainly the same directors returning back to kind of keep that tonal continuity. Uh, no uh, episode directed by uh, Sam Raimi in this season. Um, we have Rick Jacobson, who did the pilot, and then he also did nine and ten. So if he's uh, opening and closing, I guess he's uh, kind of uh, the big dog, or uh, I guess he kind of got favored uh, within his uh, style of directing, getting uh, uh, those uh, crucial episodes. And then you had Tony Tilsey, who did 2, 3, and 8. And then Michael J. Bassett did 4 and 5. And then Mark Beasley did 6 and 7. Uh, again, with many uh, writers and different cinematographers working on this one. Um, so, how were uh, your general feelings on season 2 um, as, you know, in general, but then also uh, compared to what we got from season 1? I think that this season truly is kind of what would one what one would expect in regards to like a sequel. You know, it's more of what you love. It's just everything is kind of turned up to 11. Um, I think that that's true in a lot of regards. Um, I think that the show also takes a lot of time into developing these characters and having this through line with some characters that I know you and I wanted to see 
uh, really further developed in this second season here. I think Pablo is giving uh, uh, way more to do in this beyond just being like kind of the, the Ash, shoot him, you know, like he is still kind of like the damsel in distress in a weird way, which is he's even kind of like poked fun at of, of sort of being that character. Uh, but I think that he is uh, kind of the linchpin of this entire season. A lot of it focuses around him. A lot of it also has to do with Ash in his own past and and his father and this person that he could eventually become um, I think you also get to see uh, a lot of like kind of the fallout of Evil Dead 1 and 2 and how that affected Ash and his personal life rather than him just being kind of a fucking loser you know you get to really see what the town and those he who he grew up with really think of him now, which I thought was really fascinating. Um, there's also like a deep exploration of this lore. There's like a really central antagonistic figure of this season, which I thought was something that was lacking from last season is there wasn't like a clear villain uh, in this. You really get that with Ball. Uh, he's uh, uh, kind of the, the, the main threat that is, uh, you know, other than the Deadites, that's kind of uh, plaguing our characters throughout the season, which I thought was great. So, yeah, I think in general this season really, in, you know, continued to develop a lot of the things that I wanted to see developed uh, in the first season and kind of took it in a natural direction. Um, I don't think that the season ends as strongly as the f prior one did. I, I thought the prior season really built up to this epic finale that, that felt like those final uh, a few episodes that final arc of the season was just so terrific with this I thought it kind of ended on a whimper um, I, I think some structural issues uh, and kind of went back to the well I think in some ways uh, but in general I think that the show was a big improvement uh, the season was a big improvement and uh, kind of checked off some of the you know the 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 grocery list of things that I was like I kind of hope this new season ends up doing this and it actually did which was a pleasant surprise yeah this one um it, season two definitely it felt uh, a lot more settled into itself um it you know from the first season kind of felt like I said like I was you know had the task of refamiliarizing and uh, doing a lot of catching up while also kind of introducing the new things um, it, now it kind of, with that stuff out of the way, gets to kind of settle into itself of being its own entity as a TV show. And, um, and I really appreciate that, especially there's a, there's a good chunk that, you know, that we'll get into that I was like, really like enjoying like what they were doing. I was like, wow. I was like, this yeah. is like such a big, um, improvement from the second season. It like feels, uh, just like, you know, like a genuinely like its own thing now. So, mm -hmm. um, I really, I really did dig that, but the pacing was kind of off. Like you said, um, in the first season, it did have a nice escalation and build, uh, to it, a nice, uh, even pace going out up into this, you know, kind of crescendo versus here. Yeah. It was, it had this really good stretch of, uh, episodes and then it kind of comes to a halt for like two episodes mm -hmm. and then the finale like kind of builds back up a little bit, but then, uh, just doesn't kind uh doesn't kind of quite hit those heights that we were kind of getting in like the the meat of the season here yeah um so yeah the pacing a little bit off but then it was nice to uh again like these uh characters you know the feel a little bit more settled in uh yeah pablo getting to do a, a little bit more a, a little more because <laughs> he's still <laughs> he's still a damsel and plot device he's just elevated a little bit more with a a few um moments of agency but he yeah he uh he, he is still getting um you know um 
to, to like kind of feel more a little distinct and him also like you said kind of grappling with uh, his identity which all the characters are kind of dealing with throughout this uh, I really liked that most of the season was kind of set back in Ash's hometown and uh, you know kind of gave this like Stephen King vibe to it and um, mm-hmm. and uh, like you said like kind of getting to deal with uh, the the aftermath uh, doing a lot of things that um, uh, hollow green movies tried to do <laughs> um, uh, there's uh, some very distinct parallels that I feel like David Gordon Green uh, was a big fan of Ash vs Evil Dead season two Evil <laughs> Dead dies tonight Evil Dead dies tonight <laughs> and, and it, it, yeah and they and they pull it off uh, definitely better than what they like tried to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and then, uh, Ball was, uh, yeah, it was nice to have a face to, to the antagonism instead of just kind of general evil going on. Um, it was nice to kind of have that, though I feel like it was a little bit underutilized, uh, in my opinion, uh, he kind of could have been a little bit more original. He kind of felt like, uh, a lot of evil characters we've kind of seen before, uh, in this kind of form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it was a little underutilized, but at the same time, it was, um, a nice little kind of switch up, uh, to have that. But I felt like the, the antagon, you know, antagonistic forces that like Ash was dealing with, with his past and, uh, his hometown, uh, were definitely the more compelling parts of, uh, the season for me. Uh, for so, sure. so yeah, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed that they kind of, um, went a little bit darker, like it didn't lose any comedy, but it definitely has a little bit of a heavier, uh, tone to it through uh, most of the most of the season so mm-hmm. i kind of appreciate that while it did still kind of have that humor um and you know you know taking the opportunities to still have like sillier episodes um but i think overall the general tone uh, kind of went a little bit uh towards the darker side which is what i was wanting a little bit more from season one so i yeah. i enjoyed that yeah, which is what one would expect, right? Like this is the now we know is like the middle chapter of of this. It doesn't quite end like how most, you know, second acts end where our heroes are really at their lowest point, but I do think that yeah, this does take it in a serious direction. And I think a lot of that does stem from this being about Ash and his own past and his wrestling with like a lot of the terrible shit he's had to do and and wondering how maybe complacent or responsible he is uh for a lot of those things and then him, you know, uh, in his connection with his father uh, and a lot of the things that play here. I think it's understandable, and I think that the season does a good job at maintaining that more serious tone and without it feeling, like, uncharacteristic for the show because this is a fun, you know, crack-open-a-beer sort of laid-back horror comedy. Uh, so I don't think it ever gets too self-serious to where it's kind of a downer, right? I, I think it maintains that sense of fun throughout. Oh, yeah, it, it always kind of uses that in, like, kind of two-handed, you know, points where we'll kind of still see something very absurd, but then follow it up with something kind of more realistic and genuine, because even though um, this, um, even though the series, the film series, the the TV series as well, have never taken themselves uh, too seriously, they've always been very earnest, you know, right. and very genuine, so it's like you still, you definitely can still feel a lot of that, uh, which I appreciate. Um, but at the same time, it's like for as silly as, you know, the things and events going on in the series are there. These are still real people or at least they're you know showing trying to portray real people that, right. you know, still are, you know, like regardless of, you know, the things that happen to people in horror movies, it's like they still have these emotions, you know, and like, you know, so um, even if everything around it is super insane and absurd and like kind of hard to wrap your brain around. 
um, you're still very grounded in these like very real emotions that you're getting from these characters. And the way that they, the show is able to mine that, even still with having, you know, so much silly stuff within it, like you'll have, you know, the silliest thing happen, and then five minutes later, it's like, you know, we're actually having like, oh, like, it's like the... Like, everyone is so, you know, silly that whenever they do kind of hit you with an emotional moment, it, like, almost, like, it, like, takes you aback for a moment because you're like, oh, shit, I totally <laughs> forgot that, you know, you actually have real feelings and things to say and, like, things affect right. you. <laughs> yeah, which I think is really what you want to maintain. You know, you don't want these moments to feel out of character for these people, these people that, for the most part, are kind of cartoonish, and I think it makes those moments more resonant, realizing that these things do have significance and do have meaning, and even though it is, like, fun to watch these characters get their heads stuck up a fucking deadite's butthole, you know, which we will <laughs> for sure discuss, you know, this cycle of violence and this lifestyle of death and blood that they continue to kind of lead, like, what does that trail left behind, and how does that affect them uh, and others psychologically? That was something that I loved so much about um, Ashton's relationship with his dad. His dad isn't just, like, Ah, uh, you're a disappointment. You never were what I wanted you to be. It really is this like, no, y this thing happened to you and this ripple effect that happened to all of us to where I now had to wrestle with the fact that my son may or may not be um, a murderer. Sure, he wasn't father of the year before that, uh, but I think that uh, the, the significance of these moments really are felt. It doesn't just feel like, oh, there's another Deadite or there's another thing that we've had to, you know, you know, cut its head off. It really does feel like there is um, consequences for what the events that we see happen in this season. Yeah, I feel like this season um, kind of firmly established uh, kind of the themes that they're wanting to do for the characters. Like there were a few ideas going on in season one, but they kind of never really decided like what we want each character to explore. And I like that this season kind of hones in on uh, actions and consequences you know like yeah like every choice that you make has a consequence you know no matter how small that choice can be or how big it could be you know like and there's you know as you grow older being an adult you have to eventually be able to accept those things and like there's very much of you know themes of running away from your problems and facing them and like you said like you know with ash and his dad of kind of having you know this extra layer of this uh, typical like what you think the relation was gonna be that like you said he's you know hometown dad that just thinks he's a disappointment it's like sure no 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 like you had a bad thing happen to you that also affected me and you didn't right. like we you didn't come together with me to to uh, face that and you know and that can yeah. be said for either one of them um so it's like you know ash's decision to to leave you know affect affected the town and their perception of him and then and then um, we kind of see later on in the season where we get, you know, we start getting uh, time traveling um, again. It's like kind of showing that like, OK, each choice that you make is going to have, you know, a certain outcome. You know, it's yeah. you know, not always going to be the, the outcome that you think. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to talk about some of the time travel elements of it because it gets like it's not new territory for the series, but it takes a, a, a kind of different approach to it but you had mentioned the the small town kind of vibe i thought that that was great uh, you're right to say that it was like very stephen king-esque i i thought that that was really great to see the environment in which 
Ash Williams, the character that we're all very familiar with, like what what type of environment breeds that sort of person and getting to see that and then getting to see his father and seeing like, oh, yeah, the apple literally doesn't fall from the tree. It's like still very attached to the tree. That's how close it is. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a lot of fun sequences uh, between the two of them to where they're both just being like super chauvinistic and completely you know, like cartoonish, cartoonishly sexist in a way. And then that great um, uh, face-off duel that they have on the mechanical bull, which was so silly and so over the top. And again, it's played with such earnestness and Bruce Campbell's like, damn it, you know, when he's like able to stay on for so long and get a, get a lady on top of him and like sip a beer. It's so fucking ridiculous. And uh, this season like continues to, push sort of the the boundaries of, of what I think a lot of people can uh, expect from this show yeah the 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 comedy definitely um goes a little bit and goes it goes a little dicier in this one we're getting a little we're getting a little friskier in this season with uh some of the comedy and the way that again that they're kind of depicting ash in a certain way um that like you know he's cartoonish to this degree and like you know thinks of himself and like we um you know like still see him in certain moments as like this general cool guy and he's like you know doing the badass things but like uh the yeah. show uh reminds us constantly like no he is a piece of, he's kind of a piece of shit like he's, he's oh yeah like like we talked in the last episode like did i think like his uh subtle racism uh <laughs> was a was very noticeable and i like i was like oh it's not really a big deal no 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 this season <laughs> Uh, Way, we're, we're, yeah. we're doubling down on that we're doubling down like you said on the 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 uh the chauvinism and the the toxic masculinity but even still within that um and them being cartoonish in it they are still having uh general examinations of um of these kind of things like you know we have uh kind of parallel showdowns you know of like you know matching uh you know men matching egos and things like that yeah. and then we also get you know uh, different mentions of you know posi- you know uh, who should be in positions of power and leading and things like that so we kind of have that going on with ruby and kelly as well and yeah and, and even uh, but then even still coming back around with it with the comedy of the recurring bit of you know pablo being a powerful vagina because he's like wait am i a vagina because i birthed him and that makes me weak and she's like well no that actually makes you strong because vaginas is super strong and becomes this yeah. you know uh you know silly little uh thing that uh kind of ties it all together but even still like with with them being cartoonish they are examining those things like in a, in a pretty serious light yeah and i think it also continues to prove kind of the theory of a few theories that you had or maybe not prove but like certainly uh address one of them but prove what you had talked about last week about this kind of emotional stunted uh, uh kind of quality of ash and that he really just sort of was that guy something terrible happened to him uh when he was young and then just sort of became or sort of just continued to be that guy you know like and we get to see uh, uh other characters uh who also were like knew him when he was younger uh Ted Ramey portrays uh Chet K- uh, Kaminsky <laughs> who is so great uh I was uh, I I loved seeing uh, him in this obviously of course uh, related to to uh, Sam Raimi uh, and he's in a lot of his projects but he plays is just like the dumbest scuzziest guy in the world and like best friend of ash williams but also has like a heart of gold uh so seeing kind of the people that ash associated himself with again big like peaked in high school sort of energy here um it was really fun to see that yeah that we we kind of see this recurring thing of of ash 
he doesn't want, you know, to like get past it and go towards, you know, something better. He has this uh, instinct to, he wants things the way that they were before, like in the, in the good old times, you know, the high times in his mind, uh, which is still a form of, you know, not facing his trauma and these things of not wanting to move forward, but kind of want to retreat back to the safety of his past. So we, we get a, we get a lot of that, you know, introduced through uh, other characters, you know, from his hometown, from his past, uh, we get um, uh, some original Evil Dead um, cast members as well popping up. Um, yep. You know, lots of new faces, lots of new things. Um, so let's get a 60-second synopsis in um, before we... Oh, God, we, we haven't even done that yet. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't. Um, it, which, uh, you know, since we're doing a TV series, I feel like it's a little uh, different. You know, we kind of have a little bit more in the, the general thought section. And then after this, we can kind of, you know, get straight into our, like, favorite episodes and stuff. You know? Yes. We got we to switch the format up a little bit. And you know what? Why not? Throw me on the timer. I'll do the sixty-second synopsis oh, for this one. Oh damn! Let me let me pull up the, we'll uh, switch the old stopwatch up. here. I'm ready for you. Okay, let me. Okay. Uh, I I'll give you a count. And uh, are you ready? Are you ready to go? Are you, yes, are you prepared? I am. You're, you you threw me a, a little curveball here, but I'm ready to smack it out of the park. All right, in three, two, one, let's go. All right, we open back up in Jacksonville, Florida, where our friends are uh, living the quote-unquote high life, uh, partying it up down there as of their truce with Ruby. But, of course, that truce is quickly broken as they are attacked by Deadites and thrust back into action. Um, They have to, once again, hunt down the book and, you know, figure out what's going on. Um, But the Deadites call Ash uh, back home. We go to Elk Grove for a good chunk of the season where we are um, trying to get the Necronomicon. And also, uh, Ash is kind of dealing with uh, the, the ghosts of his past, uh, the way that uh, his family and town think of him. Um, 20 we, seconds. Ball also shows up. This is um, Ruby's ex-husband or ex-boyfriend or something. Uh, he's uh, a man in black uh, doing the things. And uh, uh, we get a lot more cerebral action going back and forth. Uh, Ash and the gang battle, and uh, we got to send Ball back, and of course we end up back at the cabin. Time. <laughs> you, pretty much, uh, you pretty much covered all of it. How'd it feel to be in the uh, hot seat? Oh, man. It, it was like I felt good. I was like, all right, let me get out of this intro nice and cleanly, but then I got hung up in the middle because there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on in that middle meat section. There is a lot of stuff going on in this season. Uh, lots of fun new characters and uh, developments of of you know, uh, events that we saw in the last season. And like, you know, when, when you and I like sat down at the end of last week's episode uh, and we were, you know, anticipating and, and kind of theorizing on what we would see in this, uh, uh, this new season, we had like episode one kind of figured out. And then beyond that, I, I feel like this show say what you will about it. I think it consistently surprised me every episode. Like I was just nowhere close to even being able to guess what was able to happen, even from like line to line, moment to moment, because it gets so downright zany at times. So that was just really refreshing to watch this show and not be kind of like, yeah, I know how this is going to play out. It just really is like, oh, yeah, might as well throw this thing in the mix, you know? Yeah, I like how they had like a little subversive thing because I feel like, um, you know, we touched on it at the end of last episode, but like I feel like there was such emphasis at the end of season one of like, okay, we got these like deadite spawns running around like this is going to be bad news. And they're just like, nope, we're going to go ahead and kill them all in the first two episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead and get them out of the way. 
and uh and and we were kind of wondering like you know like you know how is the season or how are the episodes going to continue to you know keep uh evil dead mayhem fresh and uh we get you know some extra uh demons and monsters in this one um but i feel like they also kind of locked into a formula at least for a, a lot of these episodes where they kind of chose like a couple movies to like kind of pay homage to for and sure. then be like okay we're gonna do this but evil dead it now and yeah, I, I feel like yeah. that was the the way to like kind of keep it fresh uh because as far as like the actual plot for you know its story again it's not all that crazy they got to get the necronomicon again and then now there's an actual you know this demon yeah. has been summoned they gotta stop that demon using the book so it's like the story itself is still pretty thin but they're able to uh do it you know progress it in an entertaining way by like doing this homage style yeah and i think probably the most obvious one that you're referencing is the fact that the season just straight up just does christine but evil dead and it's like a really fun version of that like you would think that like oh what's the elevator pitch of christine you'd be like okay it's this possessed car from hell and this is like yeah it's a possessed car from hell but like even a worse corner of hell <laughs> you know it's like this completely brutal metal like maniacal version of that um that even like kind of talks back in a weird way um so yeah i think that that was probably my favorite example of this season just wanting to pay homage and wanting to have a similar formula uh, or tip its hat in a way uh, to something that we are all familiar with, but doing it with its own flavor and its own spin. Yeah, that was definitely the mo the most egregious one. I'm glad that we got two episodes of it too, because when that first episode hit, I was like, oh my God, I could watch a whole movie of this, of, you know, <laughs> Evil Dead doing Christine uh, in its own kind of way. Like they, you know, put its own yeah. spin on it. Like they gave the Delta, like it was like more animalistic um right. in its possessed form and also like i love like adding to the lore is like oh yeah now the delta also has a portal to hell in the trunk and can time <laughs> travel as well so it's like i love all this like um unexpected character development for the delta uh, right which is kind of funny that it gets its own two episode arc here for a second um, yeah super fun um but then um i felt like uh episode two uh with all the mord mayhem felt very reanimator this is where mm -hmm. we get a lot of um you know a lot of um they they put a lot of the slapstick like uh physical comedy in in some of these earlier episodes because like we had that one and then uh episode one as well um had a lot of like the physical humor back in it um so like two kind of had some reanimator vibes in there and um there's a there's a few more as well but like and then like kind of again like kind of the the Stephen King vibe of it all of this like kind of middle chunk yeah and you had mentioned uh like really developing the character of the Delta which I think if anyone who is familiar with Sam Raimi's filmography that car uh is in all of Sam Raimi's movies uh and uh, I'm I'm curious Devon do you know the reason why I I know the reason why it is and I'm curious if you're aware of that that uh, tidbit of trivia I mean I I know that he puts it in and I know that the the original Delta like doesn't even run so they like kind of would just like ship it around to like movie sets but um mm -hmm. that's that's about the extent that I know 
So rumor has it, and I don't know how true it is, but the rumor is that Sam Raimi lost his virginity in a Delta. Like it was his car. And like, that is the car that took his, you know, the car didn't take his V card, but like the V card was taken in a Delta. So that's, you know, kind of his staple. Um, It's in all of the uh, 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 Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. It's the car that Uncle Ben drives, which Mm -hmm. now knowing the knowledge that Uncle Ben drives the same car that Sam Raimi lost his virginity and you know is is uh, quite funny um but i love that this really doubles down on it just being more than just oh hey look there's the delta you know it's in doctor strange even i i love that it's something that is as much of a character in this especially considering last season it's a road trip movie and as such a lot of the movie takes place in that delta so i love that this season again like we had talked about just kind of doubles down on on a lot of things and has several episodes dedicated to that and what that car means to Ash. I thought it was very meta, but again, in true Evil Dead style, like in a very playful way. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of getting to um, give that little homage that, you know, Sam Raimi always does of like, you know, like, yeah, like what a car kind of means to a person when you kind of have like, it was very strong emotions attached. I like how that is like, um, you know, a big part of Ash's, you know, um, uh, personality it's like you know like with the one of the few times you see him actually being like sentimental and emotional you know like uh he yeah. really cares for his fucking car and it's like kind of endearing in a way um so yeah, yeah so i like that we um get those in there um so um what were some of your favorite episodes from this season as far as uh, specific episodes i thought delusion was like really interesting uh was like a fun wrinkle to add to this delusion is the episode where uh he wakes up in balls like captivity uh in the uh kind of uh, you know uh, psychiatric ward uh there's also the introduction of ashy slashy in that episode like the hand puppet which might be my favorite thing in this season like it's so silly and so fun and uh has like great action set pieces um, I also thought uh, DUI was a really fun episode. That's kind of the 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 climax of the Delta arc uh, to where it goes on this rampage and you're able to uh, see it in this demolition derby um, in, in all of its glory. So I think that those two episodes were probably standouts to me, but I think that there's a lot of a lot of really solid stuff in this season. That's interesting because seven and eight, the the psych ward stuff, those were my least favorite episodes. That's where I felt. That's where I felt like the show like kind of came to a halt. Like we had this like big emotional catharsis for the 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 hometown section, and then we go into uh some very I don't know. It felt very tropey, just like by the numbers. Like oh yeah, we're doing some psych ward stuff. Like this felt like a season one thing to do. Like I feel like we're a little too deep into season two to be trying to do a psych ward episode where oh yeah we're gonna convince uh you know ash that it's all a thing and and, and i mean they do kind of a an interesting subversion on that's like okay it's not like a dream it's like no this is ball has actually like brought these people and it's like kind of uh forcing these things uh people like kind of go along with this and then have yeah. that subversion that like ash was not brainwashed and it was like kind of all a part of his plan or whatever but I don't know. I was just like, I was like, oh, I've kind of seen this, uh, the, you know, convince somebody of the thing that they're not. And then we kind of see the other characters like as, you know, like we see like Ruby as the nurse and then Kelly as like the inmate patient. I was just kind of like, I was like, ah, I was like, I was like, I don't know. It, it 
Uh, sure. Because for me, like, three through six was such a strong chunk for me. Like, that felt like its own Evil Dead movie, like, with a Stephen King kind of spin on. Like, that, this kind of felt like it could have been an actual movie continuation, like, after Army of Darkness. Like, Ash yeah. going back to his hometown and kind of, again, like... Uh, this is where we kind of get to see a lot of these new characters. Um, it brings up a lot of like you know like emotions that um, that Ash has been harboring and getting to see him interact with his dad and everything. Um, just like the these set of episodes just like felt so strong to me that like I was just like wow like I was like uh, really having a good time and then to kind of then go into the psych war stuff again that just like kind of felt like oh stuff that we've seen already. Um, uh, just like kind of. Uh, brought the momentum down a little bit for me um yeah. so so i don't know yeah thankfully the uh asylum stuff only really lasts for two episodes um so i don't think that it you know it, it goes for too long um i think the reason i i liked it so much is i think it really takes time to analyze ash and his experience with all of this i think that is a tad undercut considering like it's not as genuine that it is a, a lot of you know his plan with stuff uh you know his his plan and in, in, in getting ball and all of that so i think that it's you know uh maybe not as impactful as, as it might have been I'm not saying that he needs to be brainwashed or anything but i think nonetheless it does offer an opportunity to have some of that serious tone like you mentioned and make ash sort of look in the mirror about his involvement with a lot of these things um but i do think that it still manages to have a lot of fun set pieces uh we've got uh the ashy slashy uh uh you know fight that he has uh in his like using of the bedpan uh on kelly is so gross and disgusting and she has a really fun set piece there and then there's you know uh some wandering around this like abandoned asylum with a shotgun and a flashlight trying to find these like demons you know so um yeah it doesn't last too long but uh, i thought there was uh, still some good stuff in here yeah the i, I did didn't really buy uh, a lot of the uh, you know uh, is he actually brainwashed or isn't he? Uh, but I think uh, more from a character perspective, I, I kind of like the opportunity that it presented. No, it, it, I will agree. It does have a nice character moment for Ash that you know he is so caught up in. Um, you know, a lot of the season is really about the perception of Ash, and uh, in like at the end of like that um, the psych ward stuff, it was him saying like instead of uh trying to like prove how cool and how smart and how badass he is it's him mm -hmm. saying okay people know or people already think that i'm dumb so i'll i'll play with that and i'll use that to my advantage and then he you know kind of does the 180 on ball so i do like that as a character moment because i feel like that is so much of the season um you know where we have you know uh it, it's you know we we don't get to really get to see the aftermath of a lot of you know horror movies and uh, yeah. get to see you know really like what would happen um not only how that affects the the final girl or final boy or final person um but also um how it affects the the town the people around like yeah like to to everyone else like who is gonna believe ash that you know that he went to the cabin a bunch of demons killed his friends it's like you know like his the his hometown thinks he's a murderer that like right. killed a bunch of people and they think he's like crazy so it's like there's um all this like kind of tension built into a lot of these scenes where he's kind of going to familiar mm -hmm. places and things like that and then um we like you know meet the 
the sheriff who was a kid that Ash used to bully back in high school and who married like one of his uh, old high school girlfriends. Yeah. And um, and he kind of, you know, gets a, not only, you know, he gets influenced by Ball, but he's, you know, even before Ball, he's already getting people riled up against Ash, you know, yeah. like because he just genuinely thinks like, oh, no, you're like a, a serial killer and like I need to like protect my neighborhood again. So it's like it's kind yeah. of interesting uh, seeing that versus um, because it's also like a sad thing of like, you know, not believing survivors as well. For sure. Yeah, I think I, I would agree that those first a uh, uh, few episodes are are probably the strongest. I think for myself, the delusion offered like a really surprising wrinkle, uh, 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 you know, for me. I'm wondering what you think of the the final two episodes of the season and the whole time travel of, of it all. And yet again, going back to the cabin for myself, wasn't in love with it. I felt like it, w- it was structured kind of strangely. It felt like the show kind of had ended uh, with Ashy Slashy the episode, uh, which is like the third to last episode, um, episode eight. And then it kind of like, you know, Pablo dies, which I thought would have been kind of an interesting way to start season three, kind of mm. again, end of second act, heroes are at their lowest point, what's going to happen now? And the fact that all of that kind of gets brought up and is tied off and then the season is over. I was, you know, one, I, I thought it was kind of a, a bummer to the like just tie that or you know uh finish off that narrative thread so quickly and then two i was like oh we're going back to the cabin again okay whatever you know (laughs) um i mean yeah so i'm 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 back and forth on it because i did last episode say that i was like okay like this feels like a nice like closing that we like you know this is the obligatory we got to go back to the cabin for a couple episodes did it and i i'm pretty sure i said last episode um we're not gonna go back here but of course (laughs) uh but of course yes we do end up back and it but at the same time it kind of affirms my theory from last episode that like you know that um, the the thing with the cabin that makes it interesting and like the the Necronomicon, the evil itself is that it's like just like this inevitable repeating cycle, you know. So of like, of course, um, with the with the time travel, it was like it was funny because I was like, oh, this is a terrible idea. Um, but then it like made sense whenever we like figure out that it was like ball manipulated um uh ash to come up with the idea to go back in time to like fix it because like of course that's a terrible plan um nothing ever goes right when you try to fix something with time travel um you know so it kind of made sense that um so i kind of like that we kind of had that on it um but then again we kind of get to see another uh permutation of you know events happening at the cabin and this time we get to see like the events of what happened right before Ash and his friends get there of with yeah. the with the professor and his wife and the which student. was cool, which was very cool. So so I did like that that like because it's like these are events that we know that like we it were implied happened and we kind of had bits and pieces of it, but we never actually knew. But then it's also still interesting to see that it's like again like it all kind of plays out the same way it always does. You know, someone's dealing with their hand, someone's dealing with this, you know, but then I like with the, the, the time travel angle of it, where we kind of get the multiple versions of Ruby in this one. Um, it, but then, yeah, it, it's the, the finale itself. Um, again, the fact that it came to uh, the, the trope of, okay, we're going to do the, 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 the fair fight, you know, dual style, like no powers, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to like do it this way. And then of course he cheats and 
all these things. So yeah, the, it, it felt a little bit eh in that way, but I really liked the way that it ended with this like, okay, so now the implications, it's like, because it kind of did this weird thing at like after the you know house exploded and everything, it just cuts to this, we're back in present day and like everything's hunky-dory and then they like yeah. do the, the dream like, and he's like, wait, this is like too perfect. So we're like in some kind of like now, um, you know, splintered timeline paradox and like some like weird manipulated reality. So uh, I like kind of what the time travel is setting up for next season. Um, but in this, it was, it did kind of feel a little bit wonky. Yeah. And I'm wondering if we are going to see more of those ripples because there's a scene, uh, it's kind of funny. I, and I don't know if it's just like, you know, showing kind of the stupidity of Ash and it's in, um, it's the first episode where they go back and uh, it's episode nine where they go back and uh, into the eighties and uh, he's like, Oh, I got to go see my dad. He's like, I have know all the sports scores and stuff. And uh, they're like, you know, uh, Ruby says like, you can't do anything. You have no idea how it could affect the space time continue, you know, that kind of speech of any time travel movie. And Ash is like, right. And then he just gives this guy an, a, a drink. And this guy's like, no, I really shouldn't. My family struggles with alcoholism. And he's like, it's fine. You know, it's like, I was wondering if we were going to see like that play out into something. Uh, no, we did. Um, we did. We did. Did I that, miss it? So that I was about to say, like that's one of like the season does callbacks so good. This was a like like se- like seven episode callback. He that guy they gave the bow was the the uh, the homeless guy that was in the jail cell during the the episode oh. when they were in the precinct. And he, uh, nice. there's a at one point he like charges that Ash and he goes, "You ruined my life." <sighs> And I see. so this is it was so this is a five episode later callback from one line that they had. Dang, uh, that's highbrow that, stuff right there. Super, super uh, cool, actually. And um, yeah, which I which I really like that episode, too. That that was yeah. a, um, that was like the the thing homage where um, we're like, OK, a ball can switch uh, from body to body and we don't know who we where he is. Um, yeah. I thought that was a really fun episode. Yeah, and I do. You had mentioned that we get to spend some more time with Henrietta, who is also portrayed by Ted Raimi. Like when uh, she's possessed, um, that the person in the suit is Ted Raimi. Oh, that's so um, funny. Yeah, it's great. And then we also get to spend more time with uh, Professor Raymond Noby, which is like it's like a pretty deep cut, you know, for this series and getting to you know, it's like oh yeah, that weird zombie character from the deadite character from the first movie it's like yeah you get to really see what their deal was like and the tape recorder and who's on the tape and like getting to see that was great like we don't really get to spend a ton of time uh, with them in the first movie so really having an opportunity to do that here you had mentioned the fight in the duel between him and ball which i was just really not a fan of not only is it like pretty cliche and tropey but i thought it was just creatively just a less interesting choice than i think the defeat that he has uh in just a few episodes prior in episode eight like i mentioned i think that that episode ends like the season pretty well and like i i want to see the characters bounce back from that because they are able to defeat the ball with their wits and their intelligence and their kind of cunningness rather than Ash just being like, I'm just going to beat you up with my bare hands. You know, like (laughs) I I didn't think that like, yeah, that is very in character of Ash, but I think it's a more subversion, uh, a more kind of 
interesting subversion of that to be like, no, Ash beats the villain with his mind. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's not what you would expect with Ash. You would expect him to be that brute force sort of, let me just, you know, give you the old thunder and lightning here. And the fact that it was not quite what you would expect, I thought was way more interesting, like I said, rather than them just sort of punching each other a bunch. Just wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I mean, we, again, yeah, we we do still get, like, um, somewhat of a subversion, you know, when Ash kind of beats him with just, like, you know, his uh, distractions and cunningness, you know, because his, his improvisation, that's where he truly shines, you know, so, um, but at the same time, it just, like, um, it, it, it felt a little bit underwhelming, but then I kind of like that it shifts uh, the power back to Ruby, because uh, now we're going to get uh 1982 ruby is going to be the the main antagonist for season yeah. three it looks like um so i i like that um we get to kind of shift back to her um because you know um uh future ruby gets killed by past ruby whenever they go back so yeah. that's going to already kind of have some some wonky uh effects to it uh to everything but then because i just yeah. love having lucy lawless being a bad bitch you know uh doing her thing yeah. uh she goes a little soft in this season which is you know kind of part it was part of her character that she was you know turning mortal and kind of um you know endearing herself to ash and the crew which was right. fun it was nice you know getting to see her be sweet and everything but i'm ready for yeah. her to be a bad bitch again <laughs> Yeah, I think we're all ready for it. I think my favorite bit um, beyond uh, the Henrietta of it all and seeing all of that, I love the kind of ongoing gag of this show that Ash, in going back in time, is able to get his hand back and then immediately loses it. Like, it immediately gets cut off in the <laughs> duel with Ball. Like, I thought that that was so great. He's like, no, my virgin hand. Like, it's it's really, really funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, it hasn't even held a beer yet. <laughs> yeah. uh, was a was a really yeah. great line. Uh, yeah, he had his hand back for a whole 20 minutes, uh, yeah. which was uh, pretty funny. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a really, a lot of really fun uh, ongoing bits. And uh, again, I feel like um, it, it just, you kind of feel the more, um, comfortability of the the writer's room and kind of yeah uh the way that they're writing uh some of the lines for for some of the characters uh are, are really great um again some of they have some really uh, uh some some dicey stuff going here uh the the most subtly racist line that ash has said so far is um in the episode where he's looking for the delta and he sees a little puddle of oil and he like goes to like sniffing he goes he goes Ah, synthetic. He goes synthetic oil. He goes. This is probably some uh some uh cheaply made rice burner. Uh, in a, a, in regards to being a foreign car, I was just like, yeah. Oh man, Ashley, yeah. Ashley. Yeah. But like, it, but like, and and they keep it going with uh, the stuff in him and Pablo as well. But then like have some like funny turnarounds when like Pablo like says something about like yeah creepy white guy and then he goes Pablo yeah. man it's a bit racist <laughs> isn't it yeah <laughs> tries to hit him with the old uh reverse racism which I think like again like seeing the environment in which he grew up I I think the tone deafness of of Ash Williams becomes like even more funny in a weird way of kind of like just he was also surrounded and grew up with 
equally as ignorant Hicks, you know, the, the fact that he is still stunted and refuses to, you know, uh, again, it's like that peaked in high school kind of energy. I, I think it makes the bit just a, a, a bit more funny. Yeah. I mean, especially with uh, getting the, the parallels with him and his dad, you know, of like every character being like, oh, yep, this is definitely your dad just by the way that they like talk. Like, I love how they wrote their dialogue like so similarly. Uh, was really great um and i mean even their their sense of humor i thought your fake ad was gonna be for um brock's hardware store which on the side of his truck says uh brock's got wood give him a call <laughs> <laughs> that's a great fake ad it was between that and then like the bar that they go to which i think is like the you know their equivalent of like a saddle ranch out here if you're familiar with the, the local legend saddle ranch <laughs> oh oh i think you're giving this bar a little too well a little too much credit well uh, it depends which bar you're giving credit to i guess but uh yeah i don't recommend saddle ranch it's overrated guys I do think it's funny that both of these seasons end, and like it's a it's a kind of a trope of this entire series, not just Ash versus Evil Dead, but Evil Dead that Ash like kind of gets a girl, you know, like hail to the king, baby, is you know a, a pretty famous line. But I love that last season ends with like him getting Amanda, like a, a black woman, and then him also ending this season getting Linda too, another black woman. The fact that like this pretty racially like troubled character <laughs> seems to be you know uh, uh, pretty down though. So <laughs> good for him, I guess. <laughs> hey, he doesn't see color when it's convenient for him. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Uh, in the bedroom is the only time. He, he does not see color uh, any other time um which is yeah super funny um what do you think about um uh having uh linda and thomas in this season um as a as a some uh, characters from his past um thomas is i am so shit with name thomas is the cop right yeah yeah i thought linda was fun i thought linda was like a nice like kind of girl next door sort of fling that Ash never quite moved on from. I don't know if she ever really fully came into her own as her own character beyond that, like beyond kind of Ash's perception of her, if that makes sense. Um, I thought the, the cop character, I'm glad that he, you know, he offered like kind of a fun wrinkle, like another villain of the series who isn't just, uh, hey, he's a demon, or hey, he's a somebody who's you know can read the Necronomicon. Like I thought that that was a fun sort of uh, a wrinkle to this, and a great uh, a, a great example of another thing from Ash's past that has sort of come to the surface later in life. That this is a kid that he used to bully when he was younger, and now he's like a lot of cops are. You know, they feel like a big boy with their gun and their badge, and he, they're using that power to you know uh, flex their muscles. So I thought that that was really fun, and he also has like a great death. Like that was great. You know, his head is just yoinked out of his fucking torso, which was uh, really really cool. But yeah, um, Linda for me was not not as compelling as Amanda was, even though Amanda was not like my favorite character of the season. Um, I think that uh, Linda's even a, a bit less so, but I, I thought the, the the cop kind of offered a, a fun wrinkle, a, a, a fun antagonistic force to everything. I, I just love, because I feel like, you know, these characters maybe not have been great characters as themselves, but I feel like they are both great characters to help, again, just inform us more about Ash. Right. Because, um, like, one, like, uh, from Evil Dead 1, Ash's girlfriend's name was Linda. And I love that he addresses it in the season that he just yeah. has a thing for women named Linda. Because <laughs> he has a that's thing how, for everyone. <laughs> but, but, but specifically, something about Linda's get him going. So I love how, like, yeah. just yeah. that's how shallow he is on, on one angle. 
Um, but then also like like him like bragging about bullying Thomas and he's like, yeah, we used to like beat him up, but then uh, he would piss himself, so then he wouldn't tell because he was embarrassed. And then they're just right. like, uh, Ash, that's fucked up. And it's like, yeah, that is really fucked up. Like, oh my god, like Ash was like a really shitty fucking person. <laughs> yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, continuing to, to prove my theory uh, that, you know, Ash was like star quarterback douchebag that you still go back to, you know, the homecoming games and he's still rocking the Letterman's jacket. Uh, just, you know, this is just a, a different timeline of that, a different version of that. You know, it well, didn't quite work out for him. Well, and it's interesting because it, it almost like uh kind of changes the context of the first evil dead movie because in the first evil dead movie he is like kind of a softy he's like trying Mm -hmm. to be all romantic with linda and you know giving her the jewelry and all these things and like having these moments and trying to be all cutesy so now knowing that back in high school he was you know bullying people uh having ketamine drink parties all these things so it's like oh so he was putting on an act in the first evil dead movie you know for linda because that's how fucking how much of a piece of shit ash is because he's kind of a softy in the first movie so yeah it's it's interesting That's something I'm really looking forward to is rewatching all three of those films, like knowing what we see in this and knowing the characterization with Ash and getting to spend like way more time with the character. I, I'm really fascinated to go back and rewatch that and see how the character grows from those films, you know, film to film, but then also to Ash versus Evil Dead and to see things that it's like, oh, there's there's the Ash that we, you know, will soon come mm-hmm. to know for sure. Yeah, it's like a it's like a interesting um, retconning of personality, but like, but I mean, not technically retconning, but like again, like you said, just like kind of uh, recontextualizes uh, the way that we'll kind of see um, that progression of Ash uh, throughout yeah. the movies. Um, it, it is really interesting uh, for sure, and uh, and we do a lot of like you know in in. Um, introspection of him too and so it was kind of nice having thomas being a uh, a human antagonist to to kind of uh put some pressure on him uh to i feel like you know ash has become so desensitized to you know battling deadites and everything and demons yeah. at this point that now like you know when he has to actually deal with like actual human confrontation whether that's thomas or his dad that's what's actually going to rattle him like uh you know you've already mentioned the 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 you know uh, rodeo off with his dad and everything but like i love yeah. uh whenever pablo like jumps in he goes hey why don't you just have a normal conversation with your dad and skip this and he's like yeah nope <laughs> exactly yeah uh, we we also did mention that i uh, lee majors portrays brock williams uh which is ash's father lee majors of course is like a very famous actor of yesteryear was in like the six million dollar man and fall guy so uh, i love that he's like kind of this true to form oh yeah used to be badass super handsome ladies man is now kind of out of his prime sort of you know like i I thought that that was such a brilliant uh and surprising casting choice and I, i feel like it was in just like perfect evil dead fashion that like we get like this uh you know emotional a catharsis between them of like you know having this conversation and like uh exposing their feelings and everything to immediately get ran over by the delta <laughs> so fucking funny devon probably the funniest thing in this entire season out loud laughed like i think i had to pause it was laughing so hard is so good and then in the next episode ash is trying to fucking put him together and he's like has anyone seen an eye it's so funny like i think that last season was a bit dicey not everything uh worked for me comedically 
comedically. I think that this season they really dialed it in because there are some like genuinely really funny bits in this season. Oh man, there was uh my one of my big laugh out loud moments was um I, I it's a I guess a, a recurring motif is the way that Ash reacts to death of of people because uh, whenever a uh, future Ruby gets killed and um, she's like kind of um they're like having their moment first uh yeah. he gets like the the best uh you know like backhanded compliment she goes oh yeah you're an all right sort of person sort of. <laughs> And then that's yeah. her, and then she, and then she like goes quiet, and you think she dies, and Ash goes to shut her eyes, and she goes, "I'm not dead, you dumbass." He goes, "I'm <laughs> so, sorry." I'm just really that. still there for a second. Yeah, <laughs> his delivery of that line like killed me. Uh, I was cracking up. So yeah, I would definitely agree that the a lot more of the comedic bits kind of hit a little bit stronger uh, throughout this. Uh, yeah. What were what was uh, one of your favorite set pieces from the season? Um, like I mentioned before, the ashy slashy fight was so good. Uh, I loved how, like, he had like a personality of his own. Uh, you know, kind of talked to himself in the th- the third person from time to time. His fight that he has with uh, Kelly is really gross and. Uh, like the, she just full commits to the bit, you know, you know, she's just like, okay, action. And she's just fighting with her own hand. It's like so silly. Uh, and the fact that Ashley, like his eyes change, he has like new teeth now and he, uh, like clamps down on his little like butthole, I guess, and like (laughs) against her arm and she's like trying to get him off and slaps her with a bedpan. And, you know, it's so gross, but so stupid. It's so stupid, but, uh, really, really fun. I also love the uh, the Christine car chase, but like what the car does to the little dickhead high school kids, you know, and mm-hmm. the fact that it like slams on its brakes and just, you know, crushes these kids nose on the dashboard and everything. It's so disgusting. And there's so much blood everywhere. Uh, uh, that was was really, really fun. But I think in general, like it's just some of the set pieces here are just way grosser than last time. There's a lot of bodily fluids going on around here. Um, but yeah, I think the Ashy Slashy was like such a fun mix of, you know, uh, fun action, fun violence, and, uh, you know, such evil dead flavor. Yeah, I mean, the the first season we were already covered in, you know, gallons and gallons of blood, and that was, you know, a very recurring thing of, you know, people's faces just getting sprayed, but they're like, okay, yeah, what other fluids can we introduce now? So it's like, literally we get everything. The, we get the set piece when Ash's, uh, when Ash gets his head shoved up the, the corpse's ass, and he gets shit on all over himself, and then he's in the abdomen getting attacked by, I guess, a colon, um uh, essentially a a deadite colon um so it's like we get that we get um his fight with henrietta he gets a mouthful of deadite titty uh that like she goes how about some milk and it like came out like cheese whiz it was absolutely disgusting but she's got like boils on her ass too and those like pop off camera it's like oh god (laughs) i mean yeah we we get nice and gross but um but yeah i have to agree the 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 christine like-esque set pieces were just super fun like i mean yeah um i would say these are some of like the best looking sequences that we've had like as far as just like the lighting looks really good the the way that they shoot the delta like actually looks very scary and again like the way they kind of put but uh the way that they um put so much um into it in such a short amount of time 
uh, was super was super cool and like we always just got steam everywhere and the red lights and like yeah and it was also just like um you know uh, the performance of um uh, Lacey, uh linda and thomas's daughter like she is terrified in this moment she's actually like doing just like really good work of like being terrified in this car in the moment yeah and now uh, we actually see pablo being useful of like you know he's a sweet guy so he's able like kind of like kind of calm her down a little bit and um it, you know lessen her terror a smidge in this whole situation so it was kind of uh nice getting to see that um during that um but yeah so so any of those set pieces uh were super fun for me um but yeah so i feel like this season it definitely upped the ante in a lot of ways and um so i guess we'll go into our closing thoughts here um again i felt like this season did um it, i preferred the tone of this season um but the pacing of the first season was a, was a lot better i think um you know i would have liked to have seen more improvement of uh kelly and pablo because we didn't really get to talk about much because i feel like they are still you know they're as far as like the the chemistry amongst the three of them is still really good and i feel like that has uh, definitely gotten better but at the mm-hmm. same time i feel like we still really haven't given either of them like something very substantial like we kind of have still kelly uh dealing with the same stuff of like she like kind of has this bloodlust revenge in a way but then she's also like kind of struggling with like oh like i'm like i have no life and i'm like kind of a mess but like and i don't know what i'm doing and i'm following orders but like putting me myself in bad positions they kind of have that but they don't do anything with it and then same with pablo um, he is still kind of um, he, he's not as much screaming for Ash's help because he is still um, just like uh, being uh, uh, an elevated damsel in distress to agree because I mean I do like um, I feel like they could have done more with uh, at the beginning him kind of dealing with possession PTSD in a way yeah uh, um, you know so it's like they have that and then he like becomes one with the book and like that's an interesting concept but again, I don't feel like they really went anywhere with it. It was just kind of, again, like a, a means to kind of bounce the story around and then, you know, him dying at, in that one episode. Yeah, I think as far as uh, Kelly uh, is concerned, she really, I, I thought that the the writing felt as if they were like, well, we have the revenge angle from season one. How are we going to continue that? Well, I guess she just continues to look for revenge. Like, I didn't really feel like the you know, what am I doing with my life uh, perspective was really developed significantly in this. I, I felt like Kelly now kind of took a backseat in this season and was really just there to sort of, you know, again, they have good, like you mentioned, they have good chemistry, all three of them. I like all three of them together, but as far as her characterization, she's just also kind of there too. Um, and, you know, is making jokes and comments and stuff like that. So uh, like, she's not like a bad addition into the season. I just was kind of waiting for something to be done with her. Um, as far as they should have uh, went like full send with um, the Kelly and Ruby stuff. I feel like they should have really went like full send with like Kelly, like maybe getting into sure. a scenario where she almost dies and gets like super mad at Ash. And is like, no, I am going to go do my own thing. And she's kind of maybe more influenced. There was also a moment they were like talking really intensely and their faces got real close. I thought they were going to kiss. I got excited, but Alas, it did Alas. not happen. Maybe next season. Uh, I thought that, yeah, Pablo was, like, again, I think elevated damsel distress is a good way to phrase it, <laughs> that his, it was more than just like, well, there's a deadite trying to kill me, shoot at Ash, and he, it's like, you know. I thought the possession angle was also really cool, and the, the, the aftermath of that, too, which is, uh, like, very 
uh, thematically parallel to what's going on with Ash and his own, you know, battling with literal demons. Yes, of course, but also like own personal demons and, and, and kind of the aftermath of how this evil dead has affected him as a person. And I thought that was a really great parallel between him and Ash. And um, I would be, uh, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to that being developed more in the next season. And then also like, I wish we could have gotten more time, I think with him as this halfway in halfway out sort of, you know, foot in both worlds sort of entity, I thought would have been really interesting to, to have this unique perspective that he has because like he has the lineage of being the Brujo and I really would have liked that to be leaned into more um, of, of him uh, uh, again, kind of wrestling with, with what happened last season more than him, just sort of, you know, this thing just festering inside of him. And he is really just kind of the linchpin and the, the, uh, you know, the driving force of, of the, uh, events that we see towards the end of the season. So I liked what happened uh, here. I just wish we could have gotten a bit more of it. Again, it's kind of a structure thing. And, and to transition into my final thoughts, I think that was my biggest complaint with this season is I think it's not structured as strongly as the prior season was. I think that, yes, although surprising, I don't think it flows in a terribly organic way and feels like it bounces between a few different ideas. Um, I, I wish that it would have had maybe a more clear escalation of events here uh in this rather than just and now this happens um i i i think that structurally i i'm hoping that season three improves upon that as well as improves upon um kelly and giving her really ample opportunity and i don't think that her story is done being told from a character perspective i don't think that she one has gotten the revenge that she's looking for and then two um, I, I'm curious to see how this has impacted her and how the how the events of the prior two seasons have uh, impacted her going forward, not just Ash and not just Pablo. Um, I think that the characterization of Ash was quite strong here. I'm wondering how they're going to um, close it out. I'm looking forward to that in season three. I think you're right. Tonally, uh, I felt like it was pretty spot on in this season. I have real no complaints uh, in, in, in that regard. Uh, I think the special effects and the practical effects look great. I don't think that there's really too many moments in this to where I thought things looked a little wonky. There's some stuff with the car. It's like a scene where it's going like up and down, like kind of like a hydraulic that there's some CGs going, CG going on is going on that I wasn't super it's, impressed it's such with. It's a weird shot. It's not my fave, not my fave, but I think everything else, especially a lot of the, the practical effects and even some of the digital effects that we get, uh, I was pretty surprised by. So hoping that the uh, antagonist continues to be, um, a present threat beyond just the deadites for next season. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to uh, see where uh, everything concludes. I'm just really hopeful that it doesn't just kind of like, oh, they didn't renew us for another season. So it's just over now. I hope it, that it comes to some sort of a resolution and, you know, maybe it isn't as developed as I think that they probably wanted some things to be. And there's some narrative threads that are like, man, that really could have been something. Unfortunately, we didn't get that, but I hope it's not just like, okay, what happens next? We don't know. You know, like I, I hope that we actually get some sort of a closing of this chapter. Cause I really like these characters and I really like being in this version of the world. Yeah. Out of, uh, out of five pink fucks. What are, what are you getting this one? <laughs> Which is such a terrible title for a drink. That's like not even like clever. <laughs> uh, for me, I think I'm at a, I was at like a, a, a three and a half 
last time, uh, and I don't normally do this. I think I'm at like a three and three quarters. I think it's better than last season in some regards. I think it's it's worse than others, but I think it's like a more solid version of this show. It, like you said, it feels more settled into. It feels a bit more sure of itself. But again, season one does some things that I was really really happy with. Season two does some things that I'm less happy with, but kind of excels in some other categories. So they're about even, but I would say I enjoyed the season just a touch more. Ew, we have a we have a rare 3.75. Interesting. <laughs> um yeah, so for mine, um I am feeling I'm feeling a four. Uh I went three and a half out of five on the last one. I'm going four on this one because I think the highs of this one are definitely way higher than any mm-hmm. of the highs in the first season. And even and I don't think there's anything like too bad i think really if you just kind of shuffled a few of the episodes around into a different order it's a really great season like honestly if you somehow take the last two episodes like pick up back in the cabin and maybe do like some of the time travel stuff in the beginning and then we can kind of go for i don't know if they kind of moved it around that way because honestly uh episode six was my favorite episode that was where we kind of have uh, the culmination, the house in Ash's house, and I thought that would have been a perfect ending yeah. to the season. When you, you know, we have uh, the neighborhood mob outside, kind of banging on the door. We have Ash dealing with uh, another deadite version of Cheryl, his sister. So he's kind of having that moment while Ruby is also doing the spell on to Pablo to like uh, speed up the the conversion process. We have like so much going on. All the characters are having something to do in this episode. And it again, like, felt like a just a really uh, interesting idea of being like, oh yeah, Evil Dead, and like your like home in like your hometown house in your uh, childhood home uh, is kind right. of like an interesting concept on like kind of where the deadites could prey on those emotions, you know. So mm-hmm. I feel like that honestly was like that the height of the season, and like that it was like kind of again it was like a a, a nice culmination of that three episodes three through six uh, kind of sure. uh, movie we had in the middle of the the season, but then having that there and then you know um, ending it the way that they did, um, yeah the the structure is just so weird. But I feel like at the height though this was like really solid stuff that I was like getting really excited for. Um, enjoyed the slightly darker tone. Uh, it's a little bit grosser, a little bit bloodier. Um, we have more variety in the set pieces as well, since we're not just dealing with like kind of the same versions of Deadites. You know, we got the spawns, we have souped up Deadites, we have Ball doing his stuff. So I like that we get um a lot of variety in this one. Um, so so I'm feeling I'm feeling a four out of five pink fucks for this one. And yeah. uh, since we're since we're kind of skipping movie math, even though this one did have some movie homages, but we kind of already got into that, um, uh, we will go into our uh, theories for season three. Um, so we leave off season two with um, uh, Ash and the gang being celebrated. And um, in his speech, he said 30 years ago. So I'm assuming that parade took place in the present, but they never showed them time traveling back there. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we kind of have like the the idyllic, uh, you know, uh, coloring and music in the background, and yeah. so it's like okay, so everything is too perfect, and they are in some sort of uh, pocket dimension reality. That's what I'm thinking. Um, with because uh, 1982, um, Ruby uh, still has her powers and is immortal and uh, a lot more powerful than the Ruby that we were dealing with. So I'm intrigued to see how some of these um. Uh, branching timelines affected stuff you know because pablo 
uh, is back and he was brought back as a part of his deal against ball but it's like okay it's still sketchy how he still remembers everything and like knows what was going on and like so um so for my theory is um i, I feel like we're gonna kind of get uh maybe multiple realities uh, we're going to get Ash in the multiverse of madness, I think, uh, throughout here, as I think we're going to kind of maybe hop between a couple different uh, possible realities that could come about. We have kind of multiple versions of the book uh, floating around as well. Um, so I don't know. So so I feel like we're going to get um, some some multiplicity kind of stuff. I feel like we're going to get some multiple Ashes, maybe. Um, that's what I'm feeling for season three. Hey man, if we get a reference to Michael Keaton's multiplicity, I will be stoked. That would be great. <laughs> um, I swear to God, if some more multiverse, if I have to consume any more media <laughs> that has multiverse stuff in it, I'm going to throw myself into traffic like Jesus. Um, hey, but I think this, this would have done it first, though. <laughs> yeah, it would be ahead of the curve for sure. Uh, but unfortunately, retrospect would not be kind to this <laughs> one for me. Um, I think that season two is really going to start off with Ash at like, he's kind of riding high, you know? I think Elk Grove is really going to be propping him up as sort of this hero and i think he's really going to be like uh pretty comfortable in that but like we saw with uh, season two that's not going to last terribly long um i think we're going to see his uh, uh relationship continue to uh evolve uh uh with um um linda and to see them a a as a couple continue to evolve i think that yeah you're right ruby and her powers i think will ultimately because then this season they mention Ash says like, well, throw the book in the trunk. It, can, can things get any worse? So I think well, obviously we're going to see things get worse. So I think that there is going to be a full on like dead eye invasion of Elk Grove or the world even. And I think that things are super going to get considerably worse. I think the the scope of what we've seen has been quite small, believe it or not, like up to this point. So I think we're going to see it really get uh, to be a full on like epidemic in a way. Um, I think that we're also going to continue to see Pablo and his abilities and his connection with the Brujo like continue to evolve. And I think that he's going to get even stronger. And I, I anticipate some sort of witchcraft psychic sort of, you know, battle happening between mm -hmm. him and Ruby with Ash on one end being like, you know, taking care of the deadites with uh, with Pablo, like really having like a you know, not necessarily like Harry Potter style, but it's going to be a, a more of a, a mental mystical sort of battle happening between him and Ruby. I think that would be really cool. Interesting. All right. So you're thinking a little bit more mysticism. I'm thinking a little bit more. I mean, I guess it, it still wouldn't be sci-fi influence, but like the, the idea of like doubles and things like that in reality yeah. is a little more. So I'm thinking more cosmic. You're thinking a little bit more mystic, which I guess, um, you know, that's an orange and an apple right there. Yeah. Not yeah. Too well, much of a difference. I think as is the case with this show, I think I might be right to like a sense, but that's just kind of a fraction of what I anticipate we're getting. Yeah. The show does many things and uh, surprise me is, is one of them. Yeah, I did accidentally see some things that are going on in season three um, whenever I was like reading ahead through the article a bit. Uh, didn't mean to, but I will not spoil it. You guys will have to wait until next week as uh -oh. we uh, conclude uh, Ash vs. Evil Dead season three. Leading into Evil Dead Rise, super stoked. The hype is still through the roof. Can't wait. Garrett, what are you working on right now? 
Uh, you guys can find me over on a TikTok, Letterboxd, uh, if you want to, or Twitter, uh, at Garrett McDowell, if you want to see uh, my thoughts on some upcoming films. Uh, I will be seeing Renfield quite soon, which I'm very excited for, as well as Bo's Afraid. Uh, so if you guys want to hear my uh, reaction to those, you can follow me over on any of those platforms. Uh, and then also, if you want some Star Wars goodness, uh, Star Wars Celebration just wrapped up this weekend, and we're going to be doing lots of uh, coverage of it uh, very, very soon uh, on this week. So you can subscribe to my other podcast, Scum and Villainy, if uh, you're interested in that kind of thing. We have lots of discussions to be had. I'm very excited. Yes, yes, y'all. And of course, we always have links to all those in the description. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at underscore Daddy Disco. You can hear me recently on Daily Horror Habit with friend of the show, Jay Krieger, as we talked Phantasm Ravager, as kind of did also like a full Phantasm series um, review, and uh, did our like rankings and things like that. What a bizarre franchise that one is. So you can go uh, listen to our thoughts over there. You can hear me talking about uh, The Collector over on the Pot and Pendulum podcast. Make sure you are uh, checking me out over there. But... Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted. <laughs>